How many of you do the Christmas picture? Now, we, I know most of you in this room, you, I think you probably, you've gotten our Christmas picture. And I, wa- I want you to know, um, our Christmas picture probably creates more tension in our home uh, every year than any, almost anything else that we do. I mean, as, especially as my boys have gotten older to be teenagers, our, our Christmas list, this picture goes out to over 8,000 uh, mailing addresses. And um, this past year, our creative arts guys came up with this crazy idea to put us up on stage, and, and um, that picture right there. My, that my oldest son actually is jumped. That's not photoshopped. He actually jumped off that piano stand. The boys just got up. So what, I mean, what can I say? All right. And uh, but so we've got some extra ones out there if you want one um, to use on your dartboard or whatever. But um, <laughs> but you know that picture and your picture and all this stuff. And then we get all that done, and then you've got to. You know, stuff the, the card, sign the card, stamp the card, mail it. And then there's a lot of cooking that goes on and school programs and church events like tonight. And then tonight, many of you are going to travel to relatives. And, you know, we change our music during this time of year. It's like everything just changes and we listen to music. And after, you know, tomorrow night, we'll, we won't listen to that music again. Um, some of you listen to it all year long. I don't get that. But, you know, we think about all that and you go, what's the goal of all of that? Well, here's the deal. We, we want to capture the spirit of Christmas. We, we want the joy. We want the peace. We want, you know, we want peace on earth and, and that good world towards men. We want the happiness. We want the Christmas experience. However, the problem is for so many people, Christmas has become a rat race that we've called stressmas. It's become this bittersweet extravaganza that leaves us stressed out and void of that peaceful, somewhat magical feeling that we really dream of experiencing. Um, today is my mom's birthday, and uh, she was in the last service. And um, today, on, on Christmas Eve, she always gets to pick you know, where we're going to go to lunch, and we celebrate her birthday at lunch. And today, she, she chose to go to Longhorns and Hiram, and so our whole family met at Longhorns and Hiram. Well, Amy and I decided to do something really crazy, um, big, big, big mistake. We decided to go to Kohl's afterwards. People are really stressed out today. I don't know if you've been out shopping or done anything like that, but just a little example. Um, I, we're, I'm driving in, in my truck, and Amy's behind me in her car, and, and um, she decides that um, we're at a four-way stop, and I, I turn. She decides not to give the other person the right away. She just follows me. Now, the car behind her that should have, this guy's really upset. I mean, he's honking his horn. He's giving Amy an international signal, a signal that's known by all tongues and tribes throughout the world. And my 13-year-old is in the back seat and egging him on. I mean, he, he's egging. The guy's just getting madder and madder and madder as this whole thing is going on. And fortunately, he turned and Amy kept driving and parked. Unfortunately, he turned or otherwise Pastor Paul would be speaking to you tonight instead of me. But, I mean, think about this. I mean, why do we get so stressed out at Christmas? Why do we work so hard for that perfect Christmas? Why do we spend so much time and energy and money trying to, to create the perfect holiday experience? Well, I'm no Dr. Phil, but I do believe that a lot of people want an escape. We want, we, want an, we, want an, we want an escape from our everyday lives. I think for a lot of people, Christmas is kind of like this once-a-year once opportunity to escape from reality. It's this time of the year where we, we desperately want to feel joy. We want everyone in the family, even if it's just for one day of the year, to actually get along. We really want peace. 
That's what we really want. I mean, let's face it. Life is full of challenges. Throughout the year, we face all kinds of ups and downs. Um, this past week, um, my brother Kevin, who is four years younger than me, and he, he's been part of this church since day one, um, started getting sick last Sunday night. And Wednesday morning, he was in the emergency room. And three days, I mean, he was in the hospital for three days with a blockage. In his, you know, we didn't, didn't know what was going on. It was, it was scary and lots of tests with you know, a lot of inconclusive you know, things coming back, and we didn't know what was going on. They finally released him yesterday morning, so he's home for Christmas. But, I mean, it's been a very stressful week for all of us in, in, in the Bloy house. And yet, you realize that, that throughout the year, there, life is full of storms. Um, our staff, some of my staff were telling me this past week that, that the percentage of people that signed up for Christmas assistance this year through Hope for Christmas um, went up 30% over the previous year, which means that there are a lot of people in our area that are truly struggling and for many, Christmas is this time when, when we're just truly forced to, to, to face the harsh realities of things like financial stress, things like family dysfunction. And some of you may be sitting here thinking, well, we don't have any dysfunction in our family. That's your dysfunction, thinking that you don't have any dysfunction. <laughs> Christmas is a very lonely time for a lot of people. There's a lot of hurt inside. And, and for whatever reason, these things tend to surface with greater intensity during the holiday season. And so we work really hard to retreat from the realities of life. And for just a few weeks of the year, if we could just, if we could just escape to that nice Christmas scene that we all have in our minds, that, that, that winter wonderland that here in Georgia we only experience once every hundred years on Christmas Day, um, if we could really have that moment of chestnuts roasting on an open fire, which I've never experienced, by the way. And um, I've said this five times now, and my wife texted me, a while ago, and she said, there, our mailbox is full of chestnuts right now because you, somebody went and filled my mailbox with chestnuts. J- wouldn't it be great to have joy to the world? I mean, if, if, if the world at this moment was full of peace and full of, you know, of, of no, fight, the fighting was over, wouldn't it be great if we just said all the wars are ending and everyone's getting along and everybody loves each other and there's no worries and struggles? I mean, the world, we just have what we really want, peace. If you really get down to the nitty-gritty of, of our lives, we, we all long for peace at the deepest levels all throughout the year. I mean, we want peace in our marriages. We want peace in our finances. For, for many of you, you want peace in your singleness. You, you really want to be at peace with that. We want peace in our, in our relationships. We want peace in our church. We want peace in our careers. We want our children to, to really have peace and really like each other when they live in, their, in our houses instead of liking themselves, liking each other when they leave more. We want, we, want, we, want, we want peace in our world. And I, and I think more than anything else, what, what we really want is we want peace in our heart. We want internal peace. And honestly, we don't want it just at Christmas time. We want it all throughout the year. So what do we do to try to find peace in our lives? Well, just like Christmas, we have a tendency to run ourselves ragged all year long trying to create peace in all these areas. In fact, Christmas is kind of like this souped-up, revved-up version of what we do all year long to, 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 to try to find that ultimate state of peace. I mean, think of what we do all year long. We, we fill our lives with decorations. At Christmas, we spend a lot of time decorating our homes and our, and our lives. We're try, trying to, to buy that perfect gift. And yet in life, we, we decorate our lives with things that we think will bring us peace. You know, we, we want that nice house because we think if I could have that, that'll give me peace. You know, if I could have the yard like the guy two doors down who's got the in-ground pool and all of the stuff around it, then I'll, then I'll really have peace. Or, or ladies, if I could just decorate my, the inside of my house like so-and-so, 
that would really make me happy. Or, you know, the toys, especially for us guys, you know, if I could just have that boat or that, that jet ski or that house at the lake or just the car that I pass every day going to work, you know, that's in that new car lot, that, w- that would give it to me. We walk through the mall and sometimes it's depressing because we think if I could just shop at that store and dress like, like that, or if I could travel... My wife and I, I mean, we, we love to travel. I mean, you just give us a couple beach chairs and some hot sand somewhere staring at rolling waves, and it's like the trouble just goes away until you get back in the car to drive back home, and you start thinking about all that you're going back home to, and it's just like, wah, wah, you know, you get back, and it's like every, you just walk right back into it. We try sometimes to fill our lives with religion, thinking that that will bring us peace. You know, at Christmas, we go to church, we put up the manger scene, we try to do as much good as we can for other people who are struggling. And in life, we're the same way. We, we, we try to work our way into God's peace. If I give more money, give more time. If I try to be more disciplined with the sin going on in my life. If I, if I do more charity work, go to church more, I'll have peace. And yet, or our social lives, the, the social scene at Christmas, it's all about, you know, the parties, having fun, seeking the next fun fix. And in life, think about all the things that we do to try to socialize our way into peace. If I could just be part of the right group, have the right friends, get the right job, you know, climb to the right status in life, then, then I'll finally have peace. If I could just have the right relationship, be in the right relationship. You know, for a lot of us guys, you know, we think if we could just get our kids on the right sports team, if we could just get them to perform at this level sports-wise, then I'll really have peace, and we find out that doesn't work at all. It just creates more stress in our lives. And... If I could just be accepted by the right group. And that's just not, not just for our middle school and high school kids. I mean, that's for adults. If I could just be part of this group. And sometimes, you know, we do things like indulgence. I mean, we, we, we at Christmas time, we, we, Andrew was talking earlier about all of the, the things, you know, that we eat at Christmas, all the goodies and the cookies that, that are, at, are at every corner, you know, the things that we indulge in, overeating. My mom, she, um, she makes all of us every year, this huge tray of these peanut butter cookies with, with Hershey Kisses on top of them. Dangerous. Dangerous. And so many of you out here, you, you, you just, I love this, you give us all these homemade breads and pastries and this and that, and I can't say no to any of that stuff. And so I think over the last two weeks, I think I've gained five pounds. And so Monday, I got to get busy. But we indulge ourselves throughout the year. And we try to find peace in our lives by, you know, by doing things like numbing our senses with alcohol or drugs or by overeating or by sex or by, you know, if I just could get rich quick, then I'll really have peace in my life. And so like Christmas throughout the year, we fill our lives with decorations and with religion and with the social scene and with indulgence in search of peace. And yet, in reality, these things end up becoming nothing more than idols in our lives that We've latched on to to try to fill a void that we feel in our lives. And the problem is none of those things ever truly satisfy. They never really bring that sense of peace that we're really after. At the end of the day, they're all just temporary fillers. Well, I want to tell you tonight, there is nothing new under the sun. For thousands of years, people have done the same thing. They've tried the same things to bring peace to their life. Um, you t- there's people in the Bible, names that are familiar to us, like, like Solomon in the Old Testament, the Apostle Paul in the New Testament, who talk about this journey, the things they used to do to try to fill their lives, to, to find peace. And they came up empty. 
Over the last several weeks um, here at Westridge, we've been talking about a group of people that were desperately trying to find peace as well. The, The ancient Jews in the book of Isaiah, which is where we've been, we've been reading about how the prophet Isaiah addressed the Jewish people that lived in Judah 700 years before the birth of Christ with good news. Back at the time when Isaiah 9 was written, um, the, the king at the time, his name was Ahaz. Ahaz led the, the nation um, towards disobedience towards God. Matter of fact, the Bible tells us that, that even though God had blessed him, blessed them, the Jews despised him. And during this time, there was a powerful nation called Assyria. And Assyria was, was on a mission to conquer every nation that surrounded them. And on that list of nations to conquer was Judah. And King Ahaz was so afraid of being conquered that he made a really dumb decision. He goes to the Assyrian leaders and he, and he hands the nation of Judah over to them in exchange for protection and peace. Even though God had promised the Jewish people his people, that he would defend them and he would protect them as a nation if they followed him and loved him. He sold them out for temporary peace. Instead of trusting God's promise for real peace, he turned God's very own people over to a pagan nation that that was violent and hostile towards God, where they then became slaves and servants. And yet, out of God's love and mercy, and we see this time and time again in, in the Bible, when all hope seemed to be gone, God sends a prophet. He sends a prophet to the people with good news. And in Isaiah chapter 9, here's what he says. He says, For to us a child is born, a son has been given, and the government will be on his shoulders, and he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Of the increase of the government, of his government and peace, there will be no end. His reign, on da- he will reign on David's throne and over his kingdom, establishing and upholding it, with justice and righteousness from that time on and forever, the zeal of the Lord Almighty will accomplish this. Isaiah tells us that Judah, that that God was going to be sending someone that that would bring with him something that, that not only did they desperately long for, but something that we long for tonight. Peace. Jesus would be a prince of peace. Now, today when somebody is deemed a priest, that means that by birth, they have been given authority. That means that they are, are a ruler over a particular area. And Jesus was, was being declared not just the authority over peace, but he was being declared the author of peace. He would be the one that would be seen as the owner and the creator and, and the one who would, would disperse and embody peace. Everyone else claiming to bring peace would be an imposter. Everything else that we would try to fill our lives with to find peace would be an idol. Why? Because Jesus is the Prince of Peace. He is the only one that offers the true peace that we need in our lives. It's, the, it's, the only, it's, it's a peace that can only come from Him. Now I want to talk tonight just briefly about the kind of peace that Jesus offers. First of all, He offers peace with God. This is the most desperate need that every one of us in this room have tonight. We need peace with God. The Bible teaches us that just by our, our, our very own nature, we are sinful people who do sinful things, and because of that, we are enemies with God. Our sin has made us enemies with God. And, and so instead of having peace with Him, we are in conflict with Him because of sin. 
The Bible also tells us that there is nothing we can do in our own power to change that. I mean, we can't be good enough, we can't be religious enough, we can't come to church enough, we can't follow enough rules to make us have peace with God. But guess who can bring peace for us? Jesus. That's really what this year is all about, what this time of the year is all about. It's, what, it's about remembering that Jesus was born into this world for the purpose of bringing us peace with God. You see, Jesus came to earth as a human so that he could live a sinless, perfect life so that at the end of his life, he could die in our place for our sins so that we could have an opportunity to be loved and accepted by God. He came to this earth not only to die for our sins, but to also rise from the grave three days later to conquer sin and death and hell so that we could have eternal life. That's exactly what the Apostle Paul talks about in the book of Romans and Colossians. Romans chapter 5, verse 1, he says this. He says, Therefore, since we have been justified through faith, we have peace with God through Jesus Christ our Lord. Colossians 1, 19 and 20 says, For God was pleased to have all his fullness dwell in him, and through him to reconcile to himself all things, whether things on earth or things in heaven, by making peace through his blood shed on the cross. You see, this time of the year is, is about rem- remembering that Jesus Christ came to earth to do something for us that we could never do on our own, bring us peace with God. He offer, also offers us tonight the peace of God. Have you ever met somebody before who is facing something that just overwhelms you? I mean, something that is just, I mean, it's huge. I mean, you can, you, you, they face it and you go, oh my goodness, how are they going to get through that? And they have this, as you're talking to them, you realize they have this peace about them that doesn't even make sense. Um, as many of you know, in this room tonight, uh, our creative arts pastor, Troy Page, who is uh, just a couple, he's 43, just a couple years younger than me. He was diagnosed uh, a few weeks ago with colon cancer. And um, he had a surgery last Wednesday um, to remove part of his colon and the tumor. And uh, that evening he had some complications, some internal bleeding, and it was just a very touch-and-go scary moment. And they had to go back in and do an even more intense surgery. And he spent eight days in the hospital. And, um, I mean, it, it was just... It was, it was very, very um, trying. Eight days, and, and he just got out a couple days ago, so he'll be home for Christmas. But his wife is pregnant with their first child. They've just been married for a couple years, and she's seven months pregnant. And, and Troy and I have been friends for over 30 years. I, when I was in 10th grade and he was in 8th grade, we, we, we met each other at church. His dad was actually my Sunday school teacher. He actually lived in my house before, um, the house that I bought before I married my wife, Amy. So we've known each other for years. And so, I mean, this news, I mean, it hit me hard. But it was amazing. He had this amazing peace about all of it. Now, and he had moments of fear. He had moments of discouragement, moments of anxiety. But through all of it, it was amazing to watch this peace that just hovered over him, over Lindsay, o- over their whole family. And before he went into surgery, he and I were up in his office up there talking about cancer. And I said, Troy, tell me how you're feeling. And he just said, you know, I don't want this moment to go to waste. And I said, really? Tell me about that. And he said, I want to learn what God is teaching me right now. God's allowed this to come into my life for a reason. I don't want to miss it. And more than anything else, Brian, I just want to bring himself glory through all of this. That's the peace of God on display. 
That is a peace that you can't create in your own power. It's a peace that can't be shaken by circumstances. It can't be rocked by people or problems or pain. It's a peace that God promises for those of us who love him and follow him. The Apostle Paul describes this kind of peace in the book of Philippians chapter 4 this way. He says, Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything by prayer and petition with thanksgiving, present your request to God and the peace of God which transcends all understanding. It will guard your hearts and it will guard your minds in Christ Jesus. Paul says, don't worry, don't be anxious about anything in life, but instead pray and thank God. Now, I know some of you are are hearing this and going, well, well, that's easy for the Apostle Paul to say. Come on, he's the Apostle Paul. He wrote those words when he was sitting in a Roman prison cell. When he didn't know whether he was going to live or die. Now, this, is, this, this is not a call just to, to thank God for all the horrible stuff that you may be facing it, you, you know, in, your, in, your, in your life right now. It's a call to thank God for who He is and what He's done for us. It's a call for us to go to God in spite of our problems, in spite of the pain that we may be experiencing and, and the suffering that may be going on, to thank God for His love and to stop and to thank Him for sending His Son, Jesus, into a world to bring us peace into our lives. It's a call for us at this moment to refocus ourselves on the author and the prince of peace. Paul says, when we thank God for all he has done, when we thank God for who he is to us, and we bring our request before him, he'll give us a peace that makes no sense. He'll give us a peace that goes beyond our ability to understand in human terms. And that is possible because of Jesus. And then Jesus brings with him a peace that never ends. I want to point back to Isaiah chapter 9, the first part of chapter, uh, verse 7, if I would, could for just a moment. Isaiah says, of the increase of his government and peace, there will be no end. In other words, because of Jesus, those of us who truly know him as Savior, we can look forward to a day when he finally rules and reigns over all creation and peace is truly known on this earth. The Bible tells us that there is coming a day when sin will be no more. Cancer and illness will be no more. Death will be defeated. It will be no more. There will be no more suffering, no more crying, no more mourning. Pain will be no more. Wars and fighting will stop forever. They will be no more. Jesus will be ruling and reigning over a new earth. Our enemy, Satan, will, be, will no longer be creating havoc and chaos in this world. And this world will be filled once and for all with peace. And I love what Isaiah says. He says, there will be no end to it. And I don't know about you, but I am looking forward to that day. One night... There were a bunch of, bunch of shepherds out looking over a flock of sheep. It was the night that Jesus was born. And the Bible says that on that night, an angel appeared to these shepherds. It's recorded in the book of Luke chapter 2, and it says this. The angel said, Fear not, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. For unto you is born this day... In the city of David, a Savior, who is Christ the Lord. And this will be a sign for you. You will find a baby wrapped in swaddling clothes, lying in a manger. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly host praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest and on earth peace among those with whom he is pleased. These angels were declaring great news that I want to tell you about tonight as we close. Listen, 
Peace is available right now to you through Jesus Christ. What these angels were talking about that night, it's available right now. The peace that I talked to you about tonight, the peace with God, the peace of God, and the hope of eternal peace is available to you tonight by putting your faith and your trust in Jesus alone as the one who came to this earth to bring you that peace. He is the author of peace. He is the authority of peace. He is the ruler of peace tonight. Listen, he is the prince of peace. And every one of us in this room, we need that peace. I want you, if you would, to bow your head for just a moment. And if you want to close your eyes, that can maybe just help you to block out all the, the distractions around you. I, I want to I make an appeal to, to some of you tonight. I know for some of you, this is, it's been a while since you've been in church. And, um, you know, if, if I were to sit down and talk with you one-on-one, you could probably point back to this place in your life where you... You put your faith and trust in Jesus Christ alone to be your Savior, and you, you, you sealed that. And you know without a shadow of a doubt that you're, that you're going to heaven. I mean, it's, that, it's just you know that in your heart. But yet, somehow or another, for whatever reason, you've walked away from God. You've drifted. You've become a prodigal. I want to invite you back to the cross tonight. That same cross where you found salvation is the same cross where you can find God's forgiveness for the sin that has caused you to be out of fellowship with God, to create that distance that you may be feeling in your life tonight. And listen, if you're truly a child of God and and you're away from him, there's probably a, a big lack of peace in your life tonight in some area, if not many areas. Come back tonight to the cross. Kneel down in front of it and find that same forgiveness that you found at that moment that you put your faith and trust in Jesus Christ for salvation. God offers through Jesus forgiveness. You may be here tonight and you've never had that moment where you've truly recognized and realized, yes, I am a sinner. There is a distance between me and God because of sin. And you've never had that moment where you have truly sought God's forgiveness for that sin. You've never put your faith and trust in Jesus Christ alone for what he's done for you, something you could never do on your own. Make things right with God. Create peace between you and God. And what you need tonight is you need that peace. And it's only through Jesus can you find it. And so tonight, if you've never made that decision before, I want you just, just maybe, I want to help lead you if I could. You just want to say something like this. Lord, tonight I need forgiveness because I realize that sin has separated me from you. So Lord, I repent of that sin and I confess to you that I need Jesus. I put every bit of trust and every bit of faith that I have right now on what Jesus Christ has done for me. By grace, he's offered me salvation and so through through faith I come to him at this moment. And I ask him to be the savior of my life. I need peace with God. And so tonight, I am making peace with God through Jesus Christ and what he's done for me. If you just made that decision, I want to welcome you into the family of God. 
And I want to ask you to do me a favor. I'm not going to have you jump up and run down the aisle or anything like that. But I do want to know that you made the decision because I just want to pray for you. Would you just slip your hand up and say, I just prayed that tonight. I've just made peace with God through what Jesus Christ has done for me. Would you just slip your hand up so I can pray for you? Many of you. Amen. Lord, would you touch every life in this room tonight that made that decision? There are many people tonight, Lord, that, that are coming back to you and you know every story. And I thank you, Lord, for moments, Lord, where not only do we find salvation at the cross, but we find forgiveness at the cross for those of us who maybe have wandered away from you. If you're here tonight and you did pray to receive Jesus, I want you to look at me for a moment. Matter of fact, everybody look at me if you would. As you came in, there was you were handed one of these. Inside, there's a place called Connection Card. Would you give us your information? And on here, there's a box that says, Tonight, I pray to receive Jesus as my Savior. Would you check that? Take this out to the atrium. There's a help center out there. Would you give this to them? Here's what we want to do for you. We want to help, to, we want to help you to take your next step in following Jesus to be your uh, next step in, in your journey with Jesus. So many of you, at, just at this moment, and actually over these nine services, you have, you have made the decision to trust Jesus Christ alone to be your Savior. You have been forgiven once and for all. There's peace that you didn't have when you walked in here. We want to help celebrate that with you. From my family to yours, Merry Christmas to all of you. We're going to close with some carols.